2: listening to the MLS multiplex podcast with contributors from mlsmultiplex.com
1: hello everyone welcome to another episode of the MLS multiplex podcast it is Drew here with Josh and Connor as always but not like always we finally have actual soccer to talk about. MLS week one is in the books. Life is good again. MLS is back. We're bad at fantasy soccer. Cincinnati is still really bad. Everything is back to normal. It's good in the MLS weekend of watching a ton of soccer. Um, I know you guys probably had a wild time watching it, keeping up with it, watching five-nil games, going to games and things like that. So Instead of asking how was your week, which I guess how was your week, but what was your how was your week and what was your favorite moment of week 1 because our personal lives are boring, the Hawks keep blowing leads, baseball's not back. I don't know how the Maple Leafs are doing, Connor, if you want to enlighten us on that. Maybe the Raptors are good. I don't know, but Connor, how was your week and what was your favorite MLS week 1 moment because we had a lot to choose from?
2: Uh, my week was decent for the first time since March of 2020. I had a class in person, which was terrifying. Um, so that happened. Um, in terms of favorite moment from week one. Ooh, I think probably watching the MLS account freak out about Carlos Vela actually doing well again, as opposed to last season, that was pretty good because they're very overreacting for a player who may not even be here uh, three months, so.
3: That's why they got to overreact now. Exactly. You got to enjoy it while well. we're still here.
2: Exactly. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was my standout, I guess. Um, seeing him get a hat trick. We'll ignore what happened in the TFC game and VAR and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, that was it. <laughs> Josh, you actually watched games, so you probably have more to say on that than <laughs> I do.
3: Yeah, I did. I ended up watching... Almost every single game, the only game I didn't see a single minute of was the Orlando-Montreal game and the Houston-RSL game, but the rest of them I did watch a little bit of. Um, So it was nice. Like I said on last week's pod, I didn't have any teaching to do over the weekend, so I literally just had all the free time in the world. I played soccer on Saturday morning. I got home, and over breakfast I watched the Premier League, and then I had enough time to shower. And then I just sat on the couch and watched MLS soccer from 1 p.m. And I switched it up at some point to go sit on my parents' couch and continue watching MLS all the way through the Revolution uh, Portland game that night. So it was a, a, just a fantastic Saturday of, of full of soccer. But my personal favorite moment from the weekend uh, was from the Atlanta United game, and it was 17 year old homegrown left back Caleb Wiley scoring in his debut. He subbed on in the 75th minute, scored in the 89th, and the goal happened right in front of my seats. So it was such a cool moment. I was so happy for this kid. Uh, you know, it's a dream debut for him. And also, Shades of George Bellow, who was 17. When he debuted for Atlanta United, also left back, also scored on his debut. So things are looking good for homegrown left backs out of Atlanta United, apparently.
2: Drew, what about you? What was your standout moment from your in-between sketchy Wi-Fi glitching out watching MLS action?
1: think, yeah, the most memorable moment was trying to watch Philly, Minnesota, and it kept glitching. I was like, oh, MLS is back. Terrible Wi-Fi. <laughs> not catching what's going on. But no, I think my moment is going to be very similar to Josh. And I think I have to apologize, I apologize. Um, as I say this. But coming into the – I was at the Atlanta game. It was fun finally being in a stadium for the first time in forever. That was cool. But I kind of was like staring at Andrew Gutman the whole time. Like, if this guy does one thing wrong, I am not going to be happy with Josh. He's not going to hear the end of it. And the whole time I was like, holy crap, this guy's really good. Josh was right. And then as I was slacking Josh to like apologize for not thinking he's good, he made like the coolest tackle of my life. <laughs> he like tackled the guy, got the ball again, and then somehow recovered. I was like, oh my God, we, we're good. We're good again. This is fun again. So watching Andrew Gutman successfully demolish board in Kansas City was pretty, was pretty phenomenal. And finally being back at the bins was cool. Obviously watching Caleb Wiley score was cool. Um, Joseph... Seemed like he's good at soccer again. Atlanta seems like it's good at soccer again. The Benz was fun again. Yeah, it was good to be back. Life is normal again. So
3: speaking of Andrew Gutman, I have never seen a human being be more reckless with their body in a soccer game than Andrew Gutman. I mean, that man was throwing himself around into everything, almost like a little too much, like to the point where I was like, this dude is going to get hurt just from trying too hard. But he was kind of looking like a crazy person out there on the field. He's bringing some of that uh, Red Bull style to Atlanta, I guess, which we could use some of. Did you guys see each other at the game? Nope. I didn't see Drew. Maybe he saw me, but.
1: No, I um, probably shouldn't say this, but I had tickets in the 300 section, but my friend has supporter section season tickets, so he got us in the supporter section.
3: Nice. Nice. I was 10 minutes late. Well, let me back that up. I arrived, I walked into the doors right as they announced Joseph's name uh, for the starting lineups. So, of course, that's the last thing they do before they, they kick off. And we didn't, me and my brother didn't get to our seats until the 10th minute. So, I was a little late. And this was the first time, I think, in a really, really long time that I've gone to an Atlanta United game and not run into somebody I knew in the stadium. I'm usually looking because I usually know, like, I have some friends there. Um, and this time I knew at least including drew and my aunt and uncle, I knew at least like six to seven people going to the game, uh, probably more just because it was a full stadium game. And somehow I did not see any of them. I did go see my aunt and uncle, but that was on purpose. So I don't count that, but I was keeping an eye out and, uh, I didn't see drew this time.
2: Unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I got, we got TFC this weekend. At home, this will be the first game I've been to since again March 2020. Uh, so that's gonna be weird. We got what's us- What's the temperature gonna be? I was gonna say we get so unlucky with the temperature because Saturday is gonna be a high of two oh. um, Celsius, Sunday is a high of 13. Is that when the game is? No, the yeah, game's on Saturday, it's isn't on it? Saturday. Ooh. We got so unlucky. Uh, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. But it's just
3: above freezing uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna guesstimate that two degrees Celsius is about like thirty-seven degrees Fahrenheit. That's probably a good guess. Going to be even colder because the
2: stadium's right by the lake and it's open air. So all you do is get wind. Uh, so yeah, we're going to have to wear warm clothes on Saturday. And hopefully it's not a complete tire fire trying to get in with like QR codes and all that stuff. Um, but let's actually talk about some MLS. And well, we're not starting with MLS. We're starting with our North Americans abroad, as always. Uh, specifically, Jesse Marsh being named the head coach of Leeds United. This has been pretty rumored uh, over the last couple of weeks with Marcelo Bielsa really struggling and leads kind of falling pretty hard. Uh, They're currently sitting 16th. He is the third American manager in Premier League history. Uh, Bob Bradley obviously being one of them uh, with Swansea in 2016. And then David Wagner uh, or Wagner with Huddersfield in 2015.
3: I don't even what's David Wagner up to now? He's the coach at Young Boys. He coaches Jordan pefock Oh, does he? Oh. Yeah, the best team in the Swiss Super League. Interesting. Good for him. Uh, I think that's Champions League team, no?
2: Or Europa League?
3: I don't know if they're still... If they, they were in Champions League, obviously, at the beginning of the year. I don't know if they did well enough to make Europa League. I don't think they did. Oh. But uh, they'll obviously get a chance to do European competition again next year since they're on track to win the league. Hmm. Well, he's got
2: a very good opportunity, Jesse Marsh does, uh, with Leeds. He's got a lot of work to do in terms of getting them really out of the threat of relegation. Do you think this is a good fit, and do you think this is the right decision by Jesse uh, Marsh? Or should he have held out for a better opportunity?
1: I, I guess it's good. It's exciting. I mean, that's probably the best way I can describe it. I mean, like you said, they're in 16th. They finished. They were top 10 last year. I think remembering. Yes. I want to say 10th, 9th, something like that. Um, he has obviously big shoes to fill, but I don't know. It's kind of this exciting chip on your shoulder type vibe. Cause right with Leipzig, I think he left. Um, I keep knocking my mic over. Um, I think he left and they were not in a phenomenal position when he left Germany. Um, obviously, having the American kind of stereotype. Um, yeah, he had a really good press conference quote talking about like kind of just the stereotype of being an American and coaching in the Premier League and calling it soccer and stuff. Um, And then obviously, what you're talking more about probably in a second, bringing in Brendan Aronson or looking like you're going to bring in a player with a pretty hefty transfer fee brings even more expectations on you. So he has a lot that he has to work with. Uh, I think just avoid relegation at this point is the goal, which 16th seems pretty comfortable but not too comfortable um he's fighting with beloved Newcastle and other teams to fight relegation so I think it's exciting he has a big challenge ahead of him um and hopefully I mean I don't know just get some visibility I guess in the Premier League more than just the big six clubs is my biggest thing and actually watch other teams besides these multi-billion dollar clubs so hopefully he brings some attention to Leeds United here in the States um, and especially if Brendan Aronson makes the move in the summer or whenever, that's going to bring even more visibility. So I think it's just good to have an American in probably the biggest league in the world um, gives more visibility, I think, to the league here in the States and gives some more visibility to the smaller teams and not just your Chelsea's, Man U's, Man City's and things like that. So it's an exciting challenge. He kind of has a chip on his shoulder and excited to see where it where it takes him. Hopefully he doesn't get relegated because that would not be good coming from a team who finished in the top 10 last year.
2: Yeah, if he does get relegated, I don't think this Brendan Aaronson transfer will happen. Uh, It's reportedly going to be 20 million euros uh, to Leeds, as you alluded to. One of the things that sort of hasn't been heavily discussed in terms of Jesse Marsh being hired by Leeds is now uh, RB Leipzig doesn't have to pay him. For the remainder of his contract, they get out from that fee because he got this job. Do you think that's really going to help Red Bull, or do you think it's going to be whatever? They were? They didn't really care, Josh.
3: I don't think it means anything for Red Bull. I mean, this is Red Bull we're talking about. They have, they have their hands in everything around the world, every single sport you can think of, um, every single country. I mean, shoot, even in soccer, they basically have a club on every continent at this point. Um, so, no, it's a drop in the bucket for them. I don't think they really care. I just want to go back to kind of the beginning of this uh, conversation. It's very funny to me that we kind of have to like discuss whether or not this is a good thing. Because like objectively, right, having an American manager in the Premier League is like, that's outstanding. Like that's incredible. But as Americans, we have all this baggage because of Bob Bradley and David Wagner and, um, you know, Marsh and his time at Leipzig. As a bit of a Leeds fan, I have been following them the last couple of years. Ever since I realized uh, who Marcelo Bielsa was and what he was doing with this uh, club in Northern England, that has a very, very, very passionate fan base. Um, I am very scared for Jesse Marsh. I'm very, very scared for him. I don't think so. Let's assume Leeds does get relegated, which I do think is going to happen, and I've kind of um, I've been concerned about them getting relegated for most of the season and I've been able to watch most of their games, them and them and spurs. I try to watch when I can. Um, they've been in danger of relegation all year. And I have a feeling that he will end up getting relegated with them. I don't think it's going to affect his career that much, his career path too much uh, just because I think his track record kind of speaks for itself. And I think he's got enough of a reputation among executives and other coaches in Europe to where he will, Find another job um before next season, should Leeds get relegated. I want to believe that he can keep them up in the Premier League. I'm just not sure if it's possible. The good news is Leeds have wanted Jesse Marsh as Bielsa's successor for some time now. He's got a good relationship with their technical director, Victor Orta. So I would say that if there's a, a good thing to this, it's that Leeds have wanted Jesse Marsh for a while now. Uh, they've done rigorous scouting and they feel that he can kind of evolve what Bielsa has built because no one can really do what Bielsa does as far as the tactics and the um, extreme training regimen that these players go through week in and week out. And I do think they will see a benefit to more relaxed um, work ethic during the week because Bielsa, I mean, he's known for running his players into the ground. This is not a shock. If anything, it's surprising that he made it this long at Leeds because I believe his previous longest tenure as a manager at one spot was two years and he's now been with them or was with them for three and a half years to almost double that at one club is insane. So I think we always talk about the quote, you know, new manager bump, that's going to be hopefully really real in this case, because these players will finally get a little bit of a break, but at the same time, because of Bielsa's footballing principles and because of those extreme training regimens, they will be able to, to execute Jesse Marsh's ideal style of soccer relatively quickly. Um, so, I am hoping for success for Jesse Marsh, uh, both as a Leeds fan and as an American. I am very anxious about these last 12 games. Um, and, you know, truth be told, it's not really going to be Marsh's fault. It's kind of the fault of the front office for not refreshing the squad enough. It's Bielsa's fault for never changing his tactics because that's just who he is. Um, and so, It is, I mean, it is what it is going forward. Again, good luck to Jesse Marsh. I really, really hope that he can keep him up in the Premier League. And finally,
2: on the Premier League, we don't have this in the notes, but I think we should mention it. Uh, Involving a North American, specifically an American, Chelsea are reportedly going to be sold by Roman Abramovich. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see who purchases them. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see what price they get. And what impact it has on the current squad. Uh, But Abramovich is selling. It was his choice. We think. Um, So, yeah, well, that'll be a developing situation. We'll have to watch because that could have a very big impact on Christian Pulisic and his future. Let's talk some MLS and I'm going to keep us in Europe for a second because there's quite a sizable transfer uh, involving of all teams, Houston Dynamo who signed Mexican international Hector Herrera on a free. He'll be joining in the summer. Uh, It's a contract through 2024 with an option in 2025. He'll be a DP Uh, when he arrives. He'll be the 31 to 32. I'm not sure. Uh, He's currently 31 though for a city with reportedly a very large mexican population how big do you think this is going to be in terms of houston's draw in the city do you think this will elevate them any more than it has or do you think this is just going to strengthen the fan base they already have
1: yeah i think this is going to be a home run as far as the marketing scheme goes um obviously we can talk about on the field there's kind of unknowns because when you're coming to mls just perhaps weird. So we don't know exactly what it's going to be on the field. Um, as Josh does that, he'll probably talk more. But as far as marketing goes, it's going to be killer. I think it's going to bring a lot of hype to Houston. Um, I think even Houston's GM sporting director, someone said this is the biggest signing in their club's history. And he said, it's not even close. Um, he's obviously played in Europe. He's playing champions league. Tata Martino said he's Mexico's best player, our King Tata. So a lot of hype is going into him. Um it's not obviously it's not far from Mexico um that's just a general market that I mean you look at the other sports teams in the city the Texans are trash and who knows when the Astros are going to start playing baseball again so where else are you going to go Dynamos right there uh Josh can probably speak more to the stadium and where it is um, Don't forget about
3: the Rockets
1: Are the Rockets even good I don't even no, know okay cool <laughs> yeah, so no one's really that- good <laughs>
3: Who they forced overtime against somebody last night only to end up losing the game anyway? Utah. It was, yeah, see, Utah, the best, one of the best teams in the West, and Houston dragged them into overtime and lost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, where else are you going to go? The Dynamo, cool stadium. It's right there. New big Mexican signing. It's right there. Josh, I think, has been, so we can talk more about that. But this is really big. And yeah, after Josh talks, I want to ask you guys an interesting question, but I'm going to let Josh give us his rant on Houston and Hector Herrera right now.
2: Quickly, very bold of you to assume that Houston will be good after this. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, I have no idea. They might just be fun to watch. I don't know. I mean, what else are they going to watch? Everyone else is bad in the Astros. When are they going to play baseball again?
3: Yeah, I love that you called this signing a home run because it's the only home run happening in Houston for a while. Um, <laughs> with how that was, good. Long. That was good. hey, Braves, world champs for forever, baby. Um <laughs> Lifetime champs. No, uh, yeah, we've already talked about this a bit over the last couple of weeks. I think it's a great signing. I've talked about, um, you know, Houston being an untapped market and the, the stadium being downtown. The reason why I threw my hands up is because to say that – well, no, Drew, Drew didn't like outright say that Herrera might have trouble adjusting to MLS. You know, he mentioned MLS being a weird league, which while I do agree, I don't think – Hector Herrera is going to have any problem acclimating to MLS. This is a guy that played in Liga MX, uh sorry, Liga MX uh for years before moving abroad to play for Porto and then Atletico Madrid. And even the the Portuguese league is not by any means like, you know, super technical like say the Premier League or um if you want to get into La Liga and Serie A a little bit too. So I don't think you'll have any problem with that. And this is a guy that's played so many international matches against CONCACAF opponents. That's the majority of MLS right there. So I think he will do fine if he stays healthy because that's always a question mark for new signings. I feel like usually there is a bit of an adjustment period in terms of fitness and health and all that. He will be coming off of finishing the season over in La Liga with Atletico. but also. That means he's only got six months to get fit for the world cup. Cause he's basically a lock for that Mexico roster. And the reason why he's coming to Houston in the first place is for extremely consistent playing time ahead of the world cup. Uh, and probably to make travel for him easier, as far as getting to national team camps and whatnot, this, I feel like this was made with uh, L tree in mind, this kind of move. So, to me, I think Herrera will do well. Uh, will Houston do well because of him? I don't know. Kind of depends on how their other signings do and what Pablo, Nag- Pablo Nagamura does as coach. Uh, did any of you guys see anything about Diego Linez, by the way? We yeah, that's mention not that? happening. It's not uh, happening? I think
2: I think it was Bogert uh, that said, yeah, there's no smoke to that fire. They asked about him a while ago, but it's not going to happen.
3: I do know like they definitely asked in the press conference yesterday that Houston had to announce Herrera about Linez, and they pulled the whole, we don't comment on players under contract at other clubs kind of, kind of sentence. However, the people I hear that the people I know that use that sentence the most are the people from Atlanta United and nine times out of 10, it definitely means they're talking about that guy. So, I have a feeling Linez will end up, um, even though it's not super strong rumors right now or anything. But I think it was. And okay, I do see Bogert's. I found that tweet. Okay. Um, Yes, he does say that it's not true per sources. So, I'm going to have to go with Tommy Scoops here since he's uh, pretty accurate. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh,
2: Let's continue on transfers because there were a couple. Wait, what was Drew's question? Oh, yes.
1: Sir. I want to hear both your opinions on this. Compare this signing with Shakiri and Insigne. Is it bigger oh. or smaller?
2: No. Maybe it's bigger. Shakiri, in terms of marketing, it's but bigger than both. Not a chance. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is.
1: How many the, fans from Italy because, are going to come watch TFC now?
2: Exactly. Well, because of where it is. The Italian market is in Toronto. That
3: is do it bigger than the Mexican market? The Mexican market, market is in Houston? <laughs> It's a five-hour drive to Monterey, dude. They said it in the press conference. I don't it, know. No, 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 no. This is, for that market, this is way bigger. Now, for the league overall, yeah, Insigne is a bigger deal. The man just won the Euros this the past market? summer. Or the- I, Drew did not specify, so I think it's up to us to debate that. But that's why I'm specifying it here. Insigne for the league overall, yes, definitely bigger. Uh, shakiri maybe a little bit. There's such a large Hispanic spanish-speaking population in the u.s anyway you know what yeah yeah how about this of these three players who has played in liga mx aka the most popular soccer league in the united states uh i guess just hector herrera
2: because the other two are too good to play in liga mx bingo
1: whoa whoa. (laughs) from the top rope
3: Man, I hope there aren't any League MX fans listening to this podcast. We're about to get canceled so hard. (laughs) Come at me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, look, I think in terms of a local market influence, I think it's going to be big for Houston. I just, I think it's going to be comparable to Toronto in terms of the impact that he's going to have on that market. This is the Italian market in Toronto is huge. Uh, I think, I want to say we have the biggest little Italy outside of Italy. Um, so it, that can't be understated. I don't know if Houston is the biggest Mexican little Mexico, if they call it that outside of Mexico. Um, but yeah, it's look, it's a big sign no matter what. And the fact that the league are baking these kind of signings is a very good sign. Um, uh, For the future, even though he is 31, sort of on the back half of his career, getting somebody like that to come to MLS instead of going to Liga MX, I think is huge. Any other follow ups to that?
3: Yes. uh, Argentina actually has the largest Italian population outside of Italy. They make up a fifth, a fifth of the world's Italian population outside of Italy. Interesting. I thought Toronto was huge. Maybe I guess I'm wrong um i feel like you
2: were were you about to say something no
3: uh unfortunately also in this article they've lumped the u.s and canada together so i can't get an accurate read on how many canadians but okay well
2: yeah canada or toronto has a huge market in terms of italians uh but Let's continue. We have two more transfers to talk about, uh, both involving a team that isn't even playing yet, uh, St. Louis City SC. We'll start off with the less notable one. And actually, no, we'll start off with the more notable one. Uh, and that being designated player, Zhao Klaus, um, an attacker, 25 from Brazil, Brazil. He's coming from Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga. It's reportedly going to be a 3 million transfer fee with a three-and-a-half-year deal, and an option year. Sporting uh,
3: director Lutz Fondstiel. Fondstiel? I think
1: we've talked about him before. He has like the coolest career ever.
3: Fondstiel. Yeah, this is the guy that died on the soccer field, remember? (laughs) Oh, is that this guy? Okay. Yeah.
2: He worked with him in Hoffenheim. Um, Reportedly, he had a lot of suitors, and the relationship between Lutz and Klaus got the deal done is what I think I saw. I said, is this a big move or is this like a man move?
3: I can't really figure it out. I think on paper, it's a big move. I mean, to have a Brazilian attacker coming from the Bundesliga, right? Like that checks a lot of boxes as far as exciting. And Again, on the surface, I I like this. However, Matt Doyle from over at MLSsoccer.com, someone asked him what he thought about the signing, and he said, quote, I'm surprised the guy with this profile, just four Bundesliga games, a poor scoring record in Belgium, and only ever been productive in Finland, is a DP. His Y-Scout clips aren't flattering either. Seems more the type you sign for three to 400K and hope he can be a useful backup. He did provide this caveat though. He said, that said, Ola Kamara didn't have an incredible career before MLS. And he's basically been DP level productive talent. So maybe that's how this will work out. So that's what that's what Matt Doyle said. And this is a guy that's been watching MLS since its inception. So I would I would probably defer to his opinion on this kind of thing. So I think I'm gonna temper my expectations for this signing. I will say, and we'll we can, you know. We've got another signing for uh, St. Louis SC to talk about, but uh, I love that they're getting so much of their business done now and ahead of time, and it sounds like they're going to have a really strong foothold in MLS by the time they debut on the field next year. So, while this may not be as exciting as it seems, I think overall the fact that St. Louis is making these kinds of moves is exciting in itself.
2: Yeah, and that other signing being midfielder Tomish Ostrak from Cologne. Uh, 22 years old on a four year DP deal, and he's from the Czech Republic. Any thoughts on this quickly? I don't know much about him,
3: honestly. Uh, either of you know anything about him? I can't say that I do. I do know what a midfielder is, and I do know what colon is, and I do know what the Czech Republic is, but that's about it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, wait, side note Did you guys know that Czech Republic also goes by Chechia?
1: Yes. No. I did not out.
3: know that. They now, I think, still legal by Chechia. Um, so. Czech Republic is still accepted, although, yes. I found out when I was playing World, Worldle. That's hard to say. Uh, do yeah. you guys know what Worldle is? Did we talk about that last week? Is that hard? I feel like I see Madeline yeah. tweeting
1: about it. Yes, oh, it is hard.
3: Yeah, it's really hard. I, I mean, my friend who knows geography is really good at it, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> that being said, that's how I found out that Chechia is how – they go by now cuz i was like what the heck is chechia and then i looked it up okay well there you go uh tomish
2: ostrach from chechia uh coming from uh cologne in are they still in the bundesliga or are they in the second bundesliga uh,
3: my gut says they're still in the bundesliga but um i know stuttgart got relegated i can't let's, remember let's see there. they are in the bundesliga in fact they're 8th oh wow okay uh, the, they're doing the, well out of 12 yeah um 18 so, sorry did you say out of 12 i thought that's what you said no 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 no. they're eighth out of uh 18 or however many Whoa. it is. i said they're doing well It might have gotten cut off i thought i heard 12 okay
2: uh, <laughs> yeah that's good that st louis city is at least making signings ahead of time we saw what happened with charlotte when they did that um We'll ignore the fact that they suck now, but uh, they did sell a player for more than they bought them for. So that's always a positive. Um, but yeah, uh, let's dive into some MLS games. Actually, wait, before we dive into games, uh, one more transfer I want to mention that we forgot to put in the notes that is reportedly going to be signed in the next couple days. days. Uh, Domenico Crescito is reportedly going to be joining TFC in March. Uh, it's now if you weren't aware, March. So he'll be joining immediately. Uh, Left back, who could also play center back. Apparently very good friends with Lorenzo Insigne. So potentially trying to make his adjustment to MLS even easier and even better. But Crescito is also very good. Captain at Genoa. He's a defender who can play left back, which is very needed because while I love Jacob Schaffelberg, he... Ferry isn't a left back at this point in this year and probably could use a bit less of a and uh, as opposed to diving into the deep end. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because that's happening and that's fairly notable. Let's talk about the games because we got a lot of games to get through. We're only going to talk in depth, kind of, uh, about a couple of them. The rest will just fire through in terms of the score and anything notable. We'll start with Philadelphia versus Minnesota, which featured the first goal of the season uh, and ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, Robin Lod scored for Minnesota. That was the first goal of the season. And Philadelphia's goal was scored by Corey Burke. That's it. Uh, Columbus-Vancouver, a game I got a look to watch a little bit of. Columbus won 4-0. Uh, Miguel berry Derek Etienne, Luis Diaz, and Lucas Zellerayon all scored. Uh in the 53rd minute, Vancouver got a red card, specifically Jake Norwinski Columbus at that point were up to nothing. That was sort of the death stamp. Uh Raposo did not do well. And that might be a position they need to consider filling. And not a good uh look for our predictions of Vancouver being good this season. Um, but it is also Columbus, so who knows? LAFC played Colorado. LAFC won off the back of a Carlos Vela hat trick. Three nothing was the final score. Vela is back in one player of the week honors uh, off of that performance. And his contract is up in June. So we'll see whether or not he decides to stick around at MLS. First game we're going to talk a little bit in depth on. And when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. Dallas versus Toronto.
3: Did either of you catch this game?
1: That's a negative.
3: I saw bits and pieces. My uh, attention was divided across five different games. But where uh, Dallas's
2: goal was scored by uh, Shader Obreon, and TFC's goal by—did
3: I say that wrong or right? Uh, it was a fun pronunciation. I've heard it, Yatter. I think Yatter Obreon is the. O'Brien? Yeah, I think that's going to be the best way. Yatter Obreon. Uh,
2: scored the Dallas goal. Jonathan Osorio scored the TFC goal. He's now one away from 50 in his TFC career. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this, though, and I wanted to know specific- specifically from you, Josh, is VAR played a huge part in this game. Uh, they reviewed both of Dallas's goals. One was called off. One was initially called off, but then given as a goal. And they removed a TFC penalty. I'd argue that all three were borderline the wrong decisions. Uh, Yeah. What, did you notice any sort of VAR impacts on any of the other games, or was it just sort of this one in sort of an isolated incident of VAR having a really crucial part in the final outcome?
3: I... Not, not necessarily. I actually didn't even know that VAR was used that much in the Dallas-Toronto game. Like I said, I kind of had my attention split a bunch of different ways, and I just didn't catch that part of it, uh, nor did I see anybody really discuss it. And as far as VAR for the rest of the league uh, this weekend, the only other big things I can think of, uh, Charlotte, it affected them a lot, which we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes when we talk about their game. And I can't remember... I want to say it was a Portland player that stepped on somebody's groin area mm. in their game. And that like did not get reviewed. And pretty much everybody watching was like, that should be a red. Um, so that kind of seems like uh, another spot where VAR missed. Um, but while we're on the topic of VAR, I was just listening to Alexi Wallace's, uh State of the Union podcast. And he and his sort of uh, – podcast co-host David Mossy. They were discussing VAR in the Chelsea Liverpool Carabao Cup final this past Sunday, how that played a big role. Um, And, you know, as we all know the premier league loves to use their lines for offside and MLS has said, we're not going to do that. And I appreciate the way MLS has handled VAR up to this point. I also do think it helps that in North America, specifically the US Canada, we're so used to insta replay in all of our other major sports that just throwing it into soccer is not a big deal to us. Whereas with soccer being the predominant sport around the rest of the world, VAR has been a bit of a culture shock for some other countries. So I'm gonna say that it wasn't that big a deal and that VAR wasn't a huge deal this weekend just because I didn't see a lot of it. But that's just me. That's just what kind of got into my uh stratosphere this weekend. And uh so I don't know. I don't even know, like you have mentioned a penalty and a couple goals, but like, I don't even know the reasons for why the, those were called off. So the one of the goals they ruled was offside
2: uh, and they called it back. The other goal was initially flagged as offside and then they reviewed it and said it wasn't offside, despite the fact I think it was offside. Um, and upon like looking at freeze frames and stuff, it sort of looked good kind of clear, like he was about five inches offside is what I saw from one person. Um, And then the penalty was reviewed and was initially called and then pulled back. I think it was a penalty. You could argue he did get the ball, but yeah, I don't know. I think TFC could rightfully be pretty angry. That was the only thing I wanted to talk about was just the VAR thing. I was curious to see if that was an impact elsewhere, uh, but yeah, here we are. Next game. Boy, oh boy, Cincinnati suck. Uh, Austin beat them five nothing, which is very bad for a team who doesn't have a striker. Uh, Cecilio Dominguez scored twice, Alex Rin scored once, and so did Sebastian Driussi. And, uh, let's just say Alec Kahn may not be the answer considering the fifth goal was a known goal from him. Josh care to comment?
3: Uh, Yeah. So here's some quick, like huge overreactions from this weekend. My pick for Vancouver to make the playoffs was terrible. Uh, My pick for Alec Kahn to be Cincinnati's most important player was terrible. And Atlanta United are going to win every single trophy possible this year.
2: (laughs) There we go. Um, Yeah. So Cincinnati have problems worse than we initially thought. Good luck, Alec Khan. He may end up being the most important player for them in that he costs them all the games. So therefore, he come (laughs) on player and costing them all the games. Uh, You can't tell me I'm wrong, considering they just lost to Austin five to nothing. Next game, San Jose versus Red Bulls. 3-1 3-1 win for New York. Uh, and by New York, I mean New Jersey. Uh, New York scored... Uh, New York goal scorers were Patrick Klamala, Omer Fernandez, and Tom Barlow. San, Jose, San Jose's goal came from uh, Chofis. Very nice goal. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but not a good sign for San Jose, especially because Matias Almeida got into a, an arguing match with a fan. So he's having a great time
3: right now. You didn't see that? I didn't. I've never seen a man like want to leave a job so bad without (laughs) actually leaving. Yeah. You know, (laughs) he's. it's like he's trying to do everything in his power to get fired, but like the management won't fire him either. Like nobody wants him to be there, including himself. And yet (laughs) he's still there. Exactly.
2: Uh, And yeah, so he. Got into an arguing match and a yelling match with a fan, so his time there is going very well. And next game is a game we're actually going to dive into, and it probably sows the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't swear. Um, shows, shows the crap that is likely going to be Charlotte's opening season as they lost three to nothing to DC United. Two goals from Michael Estrada, one from Ola Kamara. Charlotte did have a goal called back, in fairness, for offside, I believe, by VAR. This was Charlotte's first match. How worried are you for the rest of their season because they shouldn't be losing to, or at least losing this badly, to a team like
1: D.C.? I'm not, I mean, I'm not expecting them to make the playoffs by any means. I don't think they'll be very good, but 3 0, I think, I don't think Charlotte was the better team. I don't think they deserve to win, but I also don't think they were 3 0 bad. Um, first game of your existence, you're going on the road. Odds are that you're probably not going to get anything out of that game. It's hard enough to win an MLS, and it's 30 times harder when this is your first time playing soccer. And they also didn't have, Svidersky, I don't think he was playing. Uh, I read an article that he's expected to play Saturday against the galaxy. That'll be his MLS debut. So he wasn't there. Um, he had some bad breaks, like you said, the VAR call. I didn't see the call. I don't know if it was right or wrong, but that was like the only VAR thing that kind of came on my Twitter timeline was people freaking out because, like, oh, our franchise finally scored, and then it got gets taken away. So that, and then he had some, I think one goal, the keeper kind of try to get it out of the box and it just happened to hit Ola Camaro's back and that found the net. Um, I think they scored a penalty and then a major deflection. I think we're all three of DC's goals. So super unfortunate for Charlotte. Um, again, they're not going to be good. I doubt they'll make the playoffs, but three nil bad. I'm not sure if they were that bad, really unfortunate stuff. Um, and they have good news is they have a chance at home to, Make up for that. Bad news is, I think they're playing a better team than DC United. Um, so I don't think they were 3 0 bad, but that was soccer sucks sometimes. And that was just one of those games I was like, Welcome to MLS. This league sucks. Get out while you still can because this is how you're going to lose. So they were bad, but not 3 0 bad. So I'm not too worried about it. But again, I'm not like, they'll be better than Cincinnati. That is my opening day takeaway. <laughs> they lost 3 0 to a better team. And they just didn't get ripped to shreds like Cincinnati did. So they might not get the wind spoon. So that's good.
2: I think a middle school team would be better than Cincinnati, to be
1: honest. I think we're watching a middle school team in Cincinnati.
2: That might be
3: too generous. Josh, <laughs> what did you think about Charlotte's first match? Um, I don't really have much to add past what Drew said. It's just, again, you know, welcome to MLS. Congratulations on your first game. Uh, now take your L. Um, I, yeah, I, I, again, my attention was not fully on this game it was, it was split up among a couple of games. I was really excited for them. When they got that first goal, I was really happy for the fan base for the players. They were celebrating it, you know, obviously huge deal for the franchise, uh, which made it all the more heartbreaking when it did get taken away. Um, super unfortunate. My dad was in the room, but he was on the computer. I was like, Oh dad, look, Charlotte just scored their first goal. And by the time he turned around, uh, from whatever he was doing, it had been taken away. I was like, oh, never mind. Bar <laughs> took it away. Uh, so that was, that was pretty sad. But, yeah, I – you know, there's only so much you can take away from one game. And, again, like Drew said, they're missing a bunch of important players. Um, only other thing I think I have to say is that Charlotte's definitely finishing last. Like, Cincinnati's bad, don't get me wrong, but I think they will accrue more points than Charlotte. I will stick by that take, even after one week.
2: All right, well, at least the Wooden Spoon race is turning out to be competitive
3: this year. Um, Not yet, because Cincinnati still has that thing on lock. But yes. maybe. Maybe. Uh, Those
1: Cincinnati-Charlotte matches are going to be must-watch TV.
2: Oh, they're <laughs> going to be so bad. <laughs> they're going to be so bad it's going to be good. Like, uh, when's their first game? I You probably don't have that up, but I'd love to know when their first game is so we can... Cry, Um,
1: why is that not Charlotte's home opener? That would be awesome. I want that (laughs) on national TV,
2: and maybe they'd actually get their first goal in their home opener in that case.
3: Um, March 26th, it's coming soon, boys. Oh, only 23 days from today. The countdown countdown begins. There
2: we go. So we can look forward to that. Uh, one of you is obviously penciling that in as your game to watch already. Uh, the wooden spoon Darby. Yeah, there you go. Drew's <laughs> going to make the document today and put it in so that we can't beat him to it. Um, next game. Probably look.
3: The only notable thing that happened in this game is Jordan Shaqiri made his debut. Uh, oh, hold on. Hold on. 17 year old left back. Noah Allen started for Inter Miami. I would say that is uh, a little piece of information worth sharing. Great.
2: Uh, 0 0 draw. That's all we're going to say on that. Let's go in depth on another game. 2 2 draw, Portland, New England Revolution. Portland's goals came from Diron Asprilla and Jimmy Chara. We'll definitely talk about that goal later. Uh, and New England's goals came from Brandon By and Sebastian LeJet on his debut. I believe Josie Altador also made his debut and potentially Omar Gonzalez too. I can't remember. Yeah, Gonzalez started actually because they had an injury at center back. Um, so get used to that. New England fans, you have Omar Gonzalez and Josie Altador on your team. These are two of the best teams in MLS Portland being one of the best teams in the West, new England, obviously being the greatest team MLS has ever seen by points last season. Josh, that take will never look good. Um, do you think this is sort of a true test of two genuine juggernauts or do you think these are two middle of the pack teams who are really going to struggle with injury this season, who will be bottom level playoff teams?
3: I think it's too early to tell as far as injuries go. Cause you know, the, those are literally so unpredictable. Um, and as far as, you know, juggernauts or whatnot, it's only the first game of the season. And a very uh, common theme across all these games is just a, a general sloppiness. These teams are out of shape. Uh, they lack chemistry you know because of new signings and whatnot. Or in Charlotte's case, you're just brand new altogether. Um, so in that sense, I don't think you know you can really take too much as, as far as like how marquee the game was. I will say though, I mean, it was super entertaining and you could see the quality all over the field and that contributed to being one of the best games of the weekend, in my opinion. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, it's just an opening an opening weekend game that was tons of fun. And also, it's nice to see these inter um, interconference games back again, yeah. more regular, because last year we only got two per team. This year I think it's up to six or eight, I want to say. So – let me do the quick math on that. It's eight. Well, so, uh, so a lot of them are opening games too. Yeah, that was, and exactly. Like that was such a fun part of it. You had Atlanta versus sporting Kansas city You had Portland versus the revs. You had uh red bulls and San Jose, Austin, Cincinnati, Dallas, Toronto, um, Columbus, Vancouver, Philly, Minnesota. So, so many, int- and you know, I think it's going to be like this a lot this season where we have, just because, again, every team's got eight of them now. So that that aspect of it is super exciting because this could potentially be an MLS Cup final. You never know.
2: Yeah. If we're going by, based on past history. Uh, yes. One of Seattle or Portland. So you got a 50-50 shot at it. Um,
1: Vancouver would like to talk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: Funny that this was my pick for MLS Cup last year.
2: Yeah, I I came close.
1: I came close.
2: We're very close. Um, How did Portland's goalkeeper look? Because I believe Steve Clark's gone, right? Yeah, he plays for the Houston Dynamo. So who started for them? Was it Bond? No, Bond plays for the Galaxy.
1: Galaxy. Ivicic. Thank you. That's it. Alias Ivicic from Slovenia.
3: He made some starts last year when Clark was injured. So it's not like this is his first go with the team. Uh, More importantly, though, if we're going to talk about goalkeepers in this game, let's talk about how Matt Turner's injured. Didn't even make the 18 for New England. Earl Edwards Jr. had to step in for him and did pretty well. I would say both the keepers did pretty well. Like they were definitely not the reasons, main reasons behind these goals. And uh, as far as stopping a bike, there's really only so much Edwards could do. Um, but it was just reported from Rev's training a few minutes ago, as we were recording this, that Turner's expected to miss at least the next two weeks. And it's a foot injury that he picked up at the end of preseason. So might be some time. So we might get more of Earl Edwards uh, going forward for sure. Uh, Drew, I want to ask you a question. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit. I've heard more other people discussing this, I would say than, than us three but what do you make of the Revs' roster construction as far as these older players? We know Connor's opinion of say, Omar Gonzalez and Josie Altidore considering they've spent some time with his favorite team the last couple of years, but yeah, what do you make of these older players? Do you think this is the right move? And some of these guys are injury prone too. Uh, So just what's your general opinion on that? Is it sustainable for the Revs this year?
1: Right. I think so they, I mean, you talk about, when you talk about the rest the players, right, I think you have talk about Akeel, Bo, and Buxa. Um, Buxa, I think, is the youngest of the three. I'm currently going through for mob right now. Obviously, Carly still got off to a good start, getting an assist like he always does. Um, but Bo is, in fact, 32 years old. Um, so I think this team, they're not going to be what they were last year. Obviously, losing Matt Turner, Tejan Buchanan, although Brandon by played really good, got himself a goal in that right-back position. So that's kind of a good sign of life after Tejan. But... This team will be good. I don't think this they will they won't be as good as they were last season. Especially talking about these interconference matchups. I mean, this team went from Foxborough to Portland, and they have CCL on the way, which we'll talk more about. CCL kind of kicking your butt to start the season. Um, the Revs obviously didn't have that with the visa issue that they were taking on. So they're they just going to get them um, when you're traveling across the country and then you're playing CCL games. They play. Pumas I think in CCL in a couple of weeks so they're going to be traveling from Foxborough to Mexico and you throw in a random trip to Cincinnati in there and that's going to cost you so
3: I think this age is
1: really <laughs> going to show up might as well pencil <laughs> I think was a bad example.
3: write and pen the three points there might as well be a bye week for the it, devs
1: yeah use a the, use the bad example let's throw Columbus in there there you go you go from Foxborough to Mexico to Ohio so it's going to be a <laughs> tough travel, travel schedule for anyone in this age so I think it's going to come back and bite them um, I still think the playoffs. I think they'll be fourth, fifth-ish, um, but I think the old age is definitely going to come and bite them, given the difficulties that CCL brings you, which we'll talk more about soon, I'm sure, um, and everything like that. And These interconference matchups increasing means travel is horrible, um, and I'm currently trying to see who's on the rev schedule right now. But if you're going. Portland, and then you have you know potential trips out west. Um, that makes it really hard. So yeah, I think the old age is gonna get them when you have some of your key players, high 20s, low 30s. I think heels 29. Um, and when those guys are kind of the guys you're relying on, and you have new goalie that you're gonna be trying out soon with Turner leaving. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna come back and buy them, and I don't think they'll be nearly as good. But they went on the road to Portland, one of the hardest road trips of the season, got a point. Um, if Yumi charged and hit a ridiculous goal, they would be leaving with three points. So good start though. But I think when you can start playing these Saturday, Wednesday double game weeks, and then depending on how long they last in CCL, I think it's really going to take some mileage out of those legs for them.
2: All right. Uh, speaking of CCL and taking uh, a beating, Montreal lost two, nothing to Orlando goals came from Alexander Pato and Benji, Michelle, uh, Not a good sign for the start of Montreal season, but I think of all of the CCL teams, there was one point earned and that was... And they didn't even play. They didn't yeah. even play. So CCL is clearly having a pretty big impact on these teams um, competing in CCL as it always does and it always will. Next game, we're going to go a little in depth on Atlanta versus SKC simply because both of these gents were at the game. Uh, Atlanta goals came from Luis Araujo, uh, Caleb Wiley, his first, as we mentioned, goal, and some guy I've never heard of named Maude Raywood. I'm not sure who it is. Um, I don't, I think he's new to MLS. SKC goal came <laughs> from Daniel Chaloy. What?
3: Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Okay, so it's Daniel Shallowy, so and we'll, then, so. and because he's uh, Portuguese or Brazilian, it's right. Luis Arujo, not Arajo. Ara- Ara- yeah, Ara- that's how you would say Julian Arajo's name because he is right. Mexican. Luis- even though it's spelled the same.
2: Got it. Well, yeah, and he then got injured and is out for four weeks with a hamstring pull. Who replaced him, by the way? <laughs> I'm going to assume it was Cable of Wiley. No. No? Oh.
3: It was was Dom Dwyer. Oh, my God. (laughs) Who? I I don't know who that is. Sorry. (laughs) Who's that? I know Toronto fans have never heard of him because he's never made his way north of the border before. He's only uh, played soccer here in the States.
2: Yeah, he's never really had an impact anywhere but the U.S. Um, What did you guys think about this game? Did this solidify your belief that uh as my prediction was that Atlanta would win the East. What do you think? Uh a one-game
3: situation where they played really well. I'll let Drew take the Atlanta side of it because I want to talk the sport Kansas City side of it. Oh what I saw. Because okay. I definitely have some thoughts on that. But yeah, I'll let Drew tell you if it's for real or not.
1: Yeah, I think obviously first game, um, and as Josh talks about. SKC in those shenanigans, I think a player got cut like right after that game, which you might talk yep, more about. I saw the clip and I was like, Oh God, that's, that's bad. But yeah. So Atlanta side of things really exciting um, because a lot of players were not in the roster, whether it's visa issues, green card issues. I think I might be missing someone. So Josh might be able to correct me, but Santiago Sosa was not available. I think he's working on a green card um Brooks Lennon played a little bit from injury Marcelino Moreno played just a little bit from injury we're still waiting for Tiago Almada to get his visa issue sorted out um and I totally might be Alan Franco I think wasn't playing because maybe visa or injury I'm not sure but the point is
3: yeah that's because he picked a red card in that playoff game being sent Ah, that's what it was <laughs> okay
1: so he oh man uh so yeah they were missing a lot of players but and then obviously with Araujo I think it I said I've heard like, I've heard like 15 different pronunciations. It sounds pretty good, but sweet. Um, and then him pulling, I think it was a hamstring issue and he's out for four weeks. Um, he played like 20 ish minutes and then that's when our King Dom Dwyer showed up and played. But what's exciting about this is that with all these guys out, it looks like the team can actually survive a little bit, keep their head above water without these players gone. I think without Santiago Sosa, Ozzy Alonso was awesome, which is the weirdest thing because he's like 30 million years old. He killed it. The midfield was great. I thought, after him, Rossetto and Sijic. Sej- I think I don't know. Man. That's the Amar that Sijic. Yes. Um, those were the midfield three. I thought they played really well. Andrew Gubin per was really good in that left back role. Um, yeah, so I thought that was good, and the team looks like it's built to last through these injuries, visa issues, and things like that. The beginning George of the season. George Campbell too. Yes. Yeah. George Campbell. I thought he played very well. Tyler Wolf played really well. Yeah, it it was awesome. These random guys, like who is this? But they all played really well, Um, which is exciting for the beginning of the season as visas and injuries come back. But it's also really exciting for when you talk about open cup run and things like that, that you don't have to, you know, send in these crazy nonsense players for the Open Cup while also bouncing league play. So that's what excited me most about this game is having so many players out. And granted, SKC did have some players out on their end as well. But Atlanta, a lot of different players out for a lot of different reasons. They still look competent. Um, and what was really exciting about the Caleb Wiley goal was, I don't know about you, Josh, but when shallowey scored that goal in like the 82nd, six minute, it was like, here we go again. They're going to drop points in the last couple of minutes. And then they didn't. Marcelino Miranda played a really good ball. Caleb Wiley got that touch on it. So that was a good sign of not getting into the dropping points in the last 15 minutes scenario that they did so much last season. So it was exciting to me because a lot of depth showed in that game, um, which could be really useful for Open Cup. And especially now with Visa and green card issues and then the eventual injury. Um, So it was exciting seeing a lot of different players on the score sheet and maybe Dom Dwyer is good at soccer again. Who the heck knows? So we'll see. He kind of I think the SKC defender has to retire now because not only did you get cooked, <laughs> you got cooked by Dom freaking Dwyer. <laughs> so a lot of depth. And that's what excites me about Atlanta going forward is that different players showed up.
2: Was that, that was, was not that
3: not the guy who got cut? No, that was Andreu Fontas, who was, if not Let a, Brooks Lennon, run right by him. If he was not a defender of the year finalist last year, he was a candidate for defender of the year last year. So that's the same guy that got cooked by been out of the league for two years. Dom Dwyer Um, didn't had scored a goal since September of 2019, since before anyone knew what the term novel coronavirus meant. Um, My little brother who went to the game with me, by the way, you know what he was doing last time Dom Dwyer scored a goal. He was uh, at the Georgia Notre Dame football game that Georgia hosted back in 2019 So that's how long ago that was. Um, No, but before I talk about SKC, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off what Drew said as far as depth. This is a really exciting uh, time for the academy from Atlanta right now, um, particularly this game. It's so nice as an Atlanta fan to see different types of academy players start this game. you got a guy like Tyler Wolf who has made a couple of starts at this point but has by no means, like, reached his potential or shown that he can be a strong MLS player. So the jury's still kind of out on him. That being said, he had a pretty good performance on Sunday, considering he doesn't get that many games. Then you have a guy like George Campbell, who's basically a clone of Miles Robinson, but is a few years younger. Uh, And he is definitely a long-term player for the club and could get sold down the road uh, if he follows the current trajectory he's on. And so it was good to see a strong 90 minutes from him. And then you've got Caleb Wiley, who is basically the next George Bellow, but in my opinion is going to be a million times better. Uh, he just looks way more ready for it than Bellow did when Bellow made his debut. So it's really nice to see these different types of homegrown players and the different types of impacts and roles that they play in the club. As for Ford in Kansas City. Yeah, let's talk about Jose Mari for a second. Um I have never heard of this guy. I didn't even know that Sporting Kansas City signed him last summer in that transfer window. So he's been with the team for a little bit now. Um, he subbed on for Uri Rosell in the 50th minute. And by the way, Rossell was having a horrible game. He's a big reason why Atlanta United was up 2-0 in the half because their midfield is terrible and they can't stop anybody in transition. But Maori came in and then he got subbed off 27 minutes later. Not because of injury. And then he got cut two days later. So that is just absurd. Uh, If you guys, uh, those of you listening, haven't heard about this, I would go seek out, just type in his name on Twitter. There should be clips of the two plays that most likely got him cut. And I've never seen someone be more like a traffic cone in my entire life. Uh, He like lost the ball and then just stood there. Like I've seen more effort from dudes twice his age in pickup on the weekends at 7 30 in the morning on sa- on a saturday so it was brutal it was really brutal but um yeah i feel very vindicated again it's just one weekend but i don't have sporting kansas City making the playoffs i don't think either of you guys have skc making the playoffs either i can't remember uh, exactly what our predictions were but they've got a lot of issues in that midfield particularly uh not having Polito. You need guys like Shallowy and Johnny Russell to shoulder the, the load, and they did not do that on Sunday. They are going to be fine as far as, you know, Russell and Shall- Shallowy goes, and the team will likely be fine over the course of the season because it's Peter Vermees, the sporting Kansas City, and I mean, these guys are perennial contenders. But boy, oh boy, that is not a good first weekend. The fact that Russell is out for a little bit and the guy that replaced him got cut – uh. How is your midfield going to get better? Like, literally, how is it going to get better for the rest of the season? So if I'm an SKC fan, I am kind of scared. I'm kind of scared going forward.
2: Yes, and this is a midfield that just lost Illy Sanchez as well, who is now with LAFC. So, um, yeah. Also, did Brad Guzan start this game? I assume he did.
3: He did, and he almost made a catastrophic error in the first 10 minutes, because for some reason, this guy decided to... Go out and get the ball, but he like kind of missed, and it bounced off the post. And thank God George Campbell's face was there, whatever he, (laughs) whatever body part he used to get the ball away. But dude, ten minutes, man. I was like, I was like, can we not do this? Can can we just not
2: do this? Typical of Brad Guzan making a terrible mistake and allowing the goal. Let's go to the final three games. Let's start with LA Galaxy against NYCFC. LA Galaxy winning one to nothing off of a Chicharito 90 90th minute goal. Uh nice dribbling from him. Really nice setup from Raheem Raheem Edwards, who I'm very disappointed Toronto FC didn't sign. Um yeah, a good, good start for LA Galaxy getting a win against a good NYCFC team. Um nothing else to add to that. Houston versus RSL. That's all you need to say. Zero zero. Nobody watch that game. Finally, we'll wrap it up with, I'd argue, to probably the best game featuring the two best teams on opening weekend: Seattle against Nashville. Seattle obviously playing in CCL, so you have to keep that in mind. Uh, but they lost one to nothing. Uh, Annabelle Godoy scored in the 80th minute. How much can you take away from this game? Obviously, I just mentioned that. Seattle are in the middle of CCL. So can you really judge this game and worry about Seattle or do you think this is more of a positive for them that they only lost to Nashville one nothing?
1: I think I'm going to tackle this more from a Nashville. So from Seattle, no. I don't think you worry about it because like you just talked about, the 2 Trio goal happened in the 90th minute. This goal happened in the 80th minute. And I think just when you're playing CCL, you just get so tired in these second half goals. I mean, you've been playing soccer for a long amount of time. And just like Seattle does, I'm pretty sure it was raining during that game. So you've played a lot of soccer. It's late. It's raining. Nashville is the most frustrating team in the world to play against. And honestly, sometimes a watch, but it works. So it's fine. Um, and then I think they just had a defensive miscue. Godoy was wide open on the far post. Really good ball by Randall a. on that one. So I don't think you worry about Seattle. However, I think you are freaking excited if you are Nashville because going to Seattle, getting any points in Seattle is impressive. And you get three and preserve the shutout. Hani Mukhtar looks like his normal self. He looks like he's going to be awesome. Um, Yeah, and then they're done. They don't go back to Seattle. And they're going to go on this crazy long road trip with that new stadium opening up in May, I think. They just put down grass today. It looks awesome. So they have a crazy long road trip. And the question was last year, because they ended on a crazy long road trip because the Titans and stuff, they just couldn't win on the road. They just kept tying all the freaking time. But then they had probably the toughest road trip of the season, ending it on a win. Now, granted, they kind of got lucky because they're playing a team that's off CCL, but that doesn't matter. It's three points. So Nashville, I think you're super excited off that. Showed signs of being normal Nashville. Frustrated the crap out of Seattle. Kept the shutout. Got it late. You're leaving probably the toughest, one of the toughest stadiums to play in the league with three points. And if they can survive this road trip, I mean, they made Nissan a fortress last year. There's no reason to think they won't do it again, this new stadium. Um, So I think this is really awesome. If you're in Nashville going to probably the toughest place to play first game of the season, it's raining and you get a win out of it. So that's huge Um, because if they can go to Seattle and win, what can they not do? So if you can frustrate Seattle, who can, I, yeah, that's yeah if you win in seattle i'm not sure what is harder to do than that so really good start for nashville you leave the atmosphere at three points and you don't have to go back to seattle i assume they're in the west so they definitely go to portland um but i mean yeah that's really good start for them um seattle i'm not worried about them and nashville just got lucky that they're playing a ccl team and it just so happens to be probably the hardest team in the league to beat
2: Josh, what did you think about the game?
3: I think it's a huge, huge, huge win for Nashville. They really, I mean, they did what they do, right? They frustrate the other team. They're so organized defensively, uh, and they just wait for the right time to pounce and you know capitalize, and that's exactly what happened here. Uh, I'm going to have to pull a, a page out of the Connor playbook here for just a second and complain about how awful the game was because, um and I say this also pulling this page out of the Connor playbook, having not watched the game, this was another game that I didn't catch a minute of. So I'm sure if I did watch the game, I wouldn't have this opinion. Um, But because I didn't see any of it, and I only know that it was like 0.3 to 0.3 in expected goals prior to Godoy's goal. uh, It was probably not a fun game to watch, even though I do actually enjoy Nashville style. Um But, yeah, just a a good win for them, especially, like Drew said, on the road and this big road trip that they had to start with and what they did last year. But I'm not actually concerned about their road form because the ideal recipe is that you win at home and you draw on the road. So even if this had been a nil-nil result, I still think it would have been good for Nashville. And like we've all said, Seattle, you can kind of just – put it off to the side for now until CCL ends or they're knocked out or we get a more clear picture as the season progresses. But what I'm worried about is Nashville at home because there were so many games last year that they did not take advantage of at home. They gave up early goals. There were many times when Nashville had to come back and get results, whether it was coming back for draws or managing to come back and win. I think it'll be different this time just because it's going to actually be their home and not somebody else's home that they're just in temporarily. But we won't know until we see it. And it's going to be a couple months before we do actually get to see it. And until then, Nashville's just on the road. Um, And we talked about uh, in our preview episode from a couple weeks ago that they've got to travel like um, like three times more than any other Western Conference team. And, I mean, that just makes sense given where they are in the country. I think I said it on that episode, but they're more East than Chicago is, uh, even though they're in the Western Conference and Chicago's an Eastern Conference. Um, which makes this win all the more important for them, because if they can get three points out of these first few games, uh, that's going to be really huge, especially if they can't win the majority of their home games. Um, although I have a feeling that they will. Again, it being their own home is going to be really important. Largest soccer, uh, soccer-specific stadium in the country – um. So it'll be exciting when they are finally able to be home. But in the time, you know, for the time being, huge win for Nashville. Really big for them. Uh, and they're just gonna have to keep it up if they want to uh, secure like a home playoff spot by the end of the season or compete for some some silverware. Yeah,
2: and this was, I think, the first game they've ever played without Alistair Johnson. Uh, so big result on that front as well. That their back uh, line was able to. Hold up. Uh, but yeah, that's all the games from the weekend. We actually sort of discussed most of them, uh, which leaves us. Hmm? We hit, we hit all those suckers. Yeah. We didn't go in depth on all of them though. Yeah, that's probably. what i sort of trying to get on. Yeah. Uh, but our favorite segment is back. Uh, Players of the week, goals of the week and games to watch. We haven't been able to do this since last season and we're back with it. So, Players of the week, we've all decided to choose three different players. Josh, your votes actually matter. Who did you vote for?
3: I voted for Carlos Vela, who did end up winning by a landslide, thanks to his hat trick against the Colorado Rapids. So that was an easy one for me. Uh, And then my second pick was Joseph Martinez, he ended up finishing second overall. He won the fan vote duh, because he's an Atlanta player. I think he finished, he, he finished third among the media and it was an honorable go honorable go doy who finished second in the media. Um, but yeah, he had two assists in that Atlanta game, which we're not used to seeing Joseph play provider. And I don't even know if he really wants to do that long-term. That'll be fun. Little collision course if it uh, comes to that, but at least for this first game, he he did a really good job uh, being that assist man. So Carlos Vela is my top pick. Joseph Martinez is my second choice. Drew, who did you go with?
1: I went with Cecilia Dominguez, two goals against FC Cincinnati. Um, yeah, it was a cool atmosphere. They were back in Austin. Matthew McConaughey was there. He's usually like at two games across the season, but dang it, this was one of them. And it was a pretty cool atmosphere. Hopefully year two is a little better to Austin than year one, um, but good start against FC Cincinnati and two goals.
2: And I went with Jimmy Chara because anybody who scores a bicycle kick deserves to be a player of the week. Uh, so Jimmy Chara, my guy. Goals of the week.
3: Speaking of Jimmy Chara, Josh, what's your goal? It's Jimmy Chara's Mike. Uh, thankfully, I caught this as it happened, so I got to freak out in real time. But it was really really cool finish in a really cool setting uh for a marquee game so just a it's a great goal by the way i am disappointed at the discourse surrounding this goal cuz there are a lot of people who are saying oh wow we got a we got a potential uh goal of the year in the first weekend and hello do we not remember what happened last year on the opening weekend there was like three potential goals of the season like in the first weekend the only one i remember personally was Zhao Paolo's was like Half volley from 30 yards out or whatever, but I do remember them there. Oh, I think Rubio Rubin's bike was also in the first weekend of the season last year. Either way, there were tons of fantastic goals early on last year as well. So, MLS, League of Bangers. Speaking of bangers, Drew, what was your goal?
1: I went with Daniel Shalloway's goal against Atlanta, it was off a corner kick um I said to just kind of let we just run around and we did a good job cuz it was like coming really fast. It was just really weird in between where he couldn't head it but he couldn't it was like on the ground so he had to bring his leg up really fast to like his hip and he got a hold of it really well. It was a good clean hit. So, good athleticism. And I thought Atlanta was going to blow it, but dang it, they did it. But that was my goal of the week.
2: <laughs> my goal of the week uh was the worst of the three. Uh and that is Etienne's goal. Um, I just thought it was a nice ball and nice outside the foot finish. We'll ignore the goalkeeper being basically useless. Let's go to games to watch and look forward to this week. We will start with who do we want to start with? Josh, we'll keep the
3: trend going. What's your game to watch? Uh, Yeah, a little, maybe a little weird, but I'm deciding to go Cincinnati versus DC United. Uh, This feels like a rock and a hard place to me. Uh, Cincinnati is obviously very, very bad and have always been very bad. Uh, But D.C. are, you know, they did have a great first game against Charlotte, and maybe this will be a good kind of litmus test for where Cincinnati and Charlotte stand compared to each other. But uh, Aaron Lasada earlier today in a press conference also kind of crapped on his front office. Uh, This seems to be a running theme in MLS this year. So I'm just excited to watch, like, this guy who doesn't even think his team is that good against what is clearly not a good team. And uh, so that's, that's why I'm going with Cincinnati versus DC. Also it's a home opener for Cincy and they have a great atmosphere, great stadium. So it should be kind of fun just because of how bad it will probably be. Speaking of how bad it'll probably be.
2: Drew, tell us about the one team playing the good team.
1: Yes. My game of the week is Charlotte versus LA galaxy. Charlotte's home opener. Um, looks like it'll break the attendance record, which breaks my little Atlanta United heart. But alas, um, should be like 70,000 people in Bank of America Stadium. So that should be really exciting. Uh, yeah, seen a lot of videos and stuff. Supporters are getting practicing their chants, which I did not know was a thing until I got into MLS that you have to practice those. Um, but yeah, excited to see what the atmosphere is like. Um, a lot of people were talking a lot about. Charlotte supporters making the trip to DC United last week. So hopefully they actually get a goal to celebrate. Um, Doesn't look like they'll probably win, but national TV, primetime, awesome stadium, awesome atmosphere. And yeah, I just hope they score a goal. That's all I want. I just want to go them to score a goal. I want blue smoke going everywhere. Um, But Chicharito will probably ruin the party because that's what he's really good at doing. So I just want to see the atmosphere. um, Another Cool atmosphere in the South, not far away from us here in Atlanta. So maybe a trip to Charlotte is in the cards.
3: I was about to say, can we just brag about the Southeast for a second? We've got Atlanta United, who has like the top 10 attendance records. We have Charlotte, who's about to smash that record and didn't even, you know, had never played a game a week ago. And then you've got Nashville building the largest soccer specific stadium in, is it North America or is it just the US? Either way, there you go. So, really cool to see the southeast taking advantage now miami now whoa 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 <laughs> i knew somebody was going to do this crap florida does not count florida is not the southeast florida is florida
1: that's fair florida oh, it's gets cool. own
3: got it okay. designation we don't talk about southeast man we talk about florida man that's there's fair. a big difference
1: put yeah. mls in tuscaloosa alabama
3: it could happen. MLS to wrong, Tuscaloosa. It's the wrong football, and I, hey man, all you need is Nick Saban to go to one of those games, and you convert everybody. Potentially, potentially,
2: my game to watch. Uh, speaking of Florida, is Chicago versus Orlando? Um, these are two teams who have had drastic makeovers over the last uh, or during the off season. Uh, I'll be very interested to see if Shakiri can continue to influence the game like he tried to do against Miami. Um, Yeah, I will be very interested to see as well if all of the new additions make their debuts or not because not everyone's played yet um, for both these teams. And yeah, I think it could be a very interesting game uh, between two borderline playoff contenders. That's it. That's all we have. The only thing we have left and I hope one of you have it open because I don't, um, just pulled it up, just pulled it up. There we go. And he's actually trying this year because he set his lineup for a second week. MLS fantasy, Josh, I'm making you do the readout this week.
3: Okay. Uh, let me pull up the league, whatever. Here it is. Okay. So Do I need to go through all of these? Do I need to go from the bottom or what? All right. How about this first three and tell us where we are. Okay. I was going to say, let's start with where we are because the three of us are doing terrible again so far. So there are 20, there are 24 people in this league, which is insane. That's a lot of people, which is fun, but insane. Thank Um, you for joining by the way. Of the, the three podcast hosts uh, bringing up the rear is yours. Truly. Is, uh i'm in i'm what's in your 20th. team name you're in 20s <laughs> yeah hey out of 24 that's not bad and i'm doing better than enjoyed yesterday Uh oh is that what that is uh Next. i'm doing better than i think my brother i think that's who this is there's another boland in here but i'm not sure who it is if it's my brother or my dad um, I'm going to say it's my brother, but yeah, I'm in 20th with the best team name of all time. Fantasy soccer sucks. It's the truth. Yeah. I bet everyone will agree with me. Um, and then, uh, second out of the three of us, he's way far ahead of me up there in 19th drew Hubbard. You guys are embarrassed. Uh, Yo, oh, we're embarrassing? <laughs> Guess who's in 17th? Mr. What? Connor. No. Yeah. Oh, oh you clever. think you're so much better than us. No, you're I not. Was a,
2: oh my God. I thought I was you're not. A
3: Okay. Nope, definitely not. like a
1: heel.
2: Slopped <laughs>
3: like a heel, yeah. Uh, a yeah, so game. not only that, but you're only three points ahead of Drew, so you're not even doing that much better than him. Six uh, points
1: ahead. I am right in the middle of you and Josh.
3: Yeah, I am. I'm, wait, how many points do I have? 46. Okay, that's not terrible. But all three of us are doing pretty bad. I'm feeling pretty good about how my lineup looks for the second week, I'm not going to lie, which means they're going to do terrible. Uh, but the top three... Up there in third, we have Avenue BFC uh, from whoever Ketchum is. I'm not sure. I don't really recognize that name. Uh, but they are in third place with 98 points. One point ahead of them in second place. It's our uh, returning member, Older Goaler. Yep. Did they win last year or was that somebody else? Do we even
1: remember I who think won? they won last year. Definitely remember they, yeah, hearing their like, name a lot. They're always good.
3: Yeah. So Older Goaler is uh, off to a strong start up there in second <laughs> And in first place, uh, might be the best team name of the league besides uh, Fantasy Soccer Sucks. But this is Moron FC. <laughs> uh, Snay, I don't know who that is, but they're up in first place, 102 points. So that's uh, that's your leader so far after one week. Moron FC. I'm going to assume that they made their name Moron FC because we're all morons for playing fantasy soccer. Zing! Shout
2: out that person. That's a great name. I love that. Um I thought I was doing so much better. Oh, I'm embarrassed. But yes, yeah, so I also Why? You. Why would you think that? Because I I looked last week and I was sitting in 11th at one point. I think after Saturday.
3: There you go. There was that there's the other couple of games that got you. Yeah.
2: Um so we're going to have to improve. We have to improve. We can't do this badly. Uh but yeah, join the league if you haven't already. Please join it again. Um, it the link will be in the description of this podcast. You can click on it. Um, we'd love to have you. Twenty four. That's more than double what we had last year. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I have nothing else to add.
3: So either of you? No, nothing. All I want to say is, I, I've just now realized that I had two people in the starting lineup that did not play this past weekend. I did too. Probably. No, yeah. see, I won't get into it, but there's strategy involved.
2: Uh, I only had two defenders play this week, which was not good. Um, Same.
1: Okay, there you go. Uh,
2: yeah, Drew, do your spiel and take us out.
1: Yes, thank you guys so much as always for listening as we get to talk about actual soccer. The off season is behind us. So super happy to talk about actual games. And there are more games coming up. Uh so be sure to tune in next week as we talk about week two of MLS action. There's surely going to be some crazy storylines, some crazy goals and things like that. So be sure to tune in next week. Um, as always, visit the website MLSmultiplex.com as writers crank out awesome content about games. Um, and getting ready for week two games. You can follow the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex to see stories get posted as they happen. You can find us on Twitter uh, to see our takes because we will be sitting on couches watching MLS games for a lot of weekends now for the foreseeable future and we will surely have thoughts. So you can follow us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville and Josh at Josh underscore Boland. So be sure to check us out on social media to get our takes. Visit the website for awesome Written content. And as always, tune in next week because we will surely have another fun episode because something weird is going to happen in MLS and dang it, we'll be here to talk about it. So thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next week and we will talk to you then.
2: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.